Welcome to the Hennessy Podcast. My name is Alex, of course, your self-proclaimed host as always. And I'm here with my trusty, loyal, self-proclaimed host, Nathan. How's Allen. it going, guys? Wow, it's great to have you guys back. Today is episode 11, and as always, we are action-packed. We're going to oh, yeah. talk a lot about very interesting, amazing, up-and-coming car news. A lot of cool stuff to talk about on the agenda. And uh, we're going to also talk about some of the Hennessy news that we've got going on. Very cool. If you guys keep up with us, you might already know some of it. But if you don't, this will be some good info for you. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do the Hennessy news. Let's do it. So the big one this week was the... Do you say TRX or T-Rex? Honestly, I go back and forth. Is I, there a right way? I've said both. I, I feel like technically Dodge FCA Ram created the TRX to be a T-Rex. Yeah. As in the dinosaur. Yeah, but I I But just, I, I flip back and forth. I do too. Whatever. The T-Rex, TRX, yeah. S- SUV. Yeah. So, so cool. It's going to be sweet. If you guys know any of our history, we have done a Velociraptor SUV in the past. And basically what that was, it was a custom conversion of a supercharged Raptor truck that we converted to a Velociraptor that had a rear addition to basically make it an excursion with third row seating, middle seat captain's chairs, totally legit. Uh, John Hennessy likes to refer to them as the war wagons. He actually owns one of the Velociraptor uh, SUVs. Very, very cool. They are huge on the road. Supercharged V8s. 37-inch tires. Which I don't know why it seems so much bigger because it, it's technically not. And, you know, right. it's, it's, it's just got a, uh, I don't know, yeah. like a permanent bed. Co- you know, right. it's like it's turned into an SUV, but it's uh-huh. no bigger. The footprint isn't any bigger than right. the truck itself. But it feels huge. It does. With the lift, 37s and it everything. Does. And it really begs the question of why don't these manufacturers do this in the first place? I, I've wondered that for a long time, and I think yeah. it's, it's you know, a great opportunity for yeah. us. But it always makes me question, like, okay, if you have a family that has few members in it, uh-huh. and you would like a luxury SUV type that has third-row seating but also has cargo room, mm-hmm. that's actually a difficult vehicle to come across. You can find several third-row seat vehicles but if you really want to go on a road trip to Colorado or whatever, yeah. you can't fit there's, much in there. There's two. Exactly. And they are the Suburban, Yukon XL, Escalade, Escalade whatever. Yeah. Those, the extended know, one. Thing. Yeah. And the Ford Ex- Expedition. Expedition L. That's it. Yeah. Well, okay, Navigator, which is the same thing. But yeah, 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 yeah. there's only two. Yeah. And... Which and they're not that huge. Well, okay, yeah, we should qualify this. If we have any um, overseas listeners, uh, you're gonna yeah. think we're crazy because you I, you couldn't even drive you couldn't drive a Tahoe into some you know right. European town. So yeah. I understand that, but in America, no, it's not that huge. And in fact, is you know just think, taking myself as an example with a a growing family, dude, we I, I would totally get an excursion tomorrow. Right. Why does no one offer it? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It would be amazing. And imagine the people that want third row SUV with a lot of people with also cargo space that want to tow. That was the excursion. Yeah. It was the epitome of that. Yeah. Just make an F-250 with a third row. Exactly. Why does no one do it? I don't know. 
why would the excursion ever go out of production? I have no and, idea. Okay, for everybody listening, yes, you can tow with your Escalade. You can tow with, you know, you could tow your boat, but you're, it's but not ta- a diesel. We're ta- but uh, yeah, let's, let's explain what the excursion was and why it was so amazing. Number one, it was essentially, an, okay, you've got like an F-150 and you've got an F-250, which is just bigger in every single way, more powerful, more towing capacity, just dimensionally a massive truck. Um, and so when we're talking about the excursion and being able, you know, this monster to be able to do everything, to tow, to haul, I don't even know how many people that thing sat, but it, it, it's actually quite, it's bigger than a Suburban. Yeah. And, and it's got eight, the towing were, capacity. Yeah. There were eight seaters with cargo room, with towing capacity, big towing capacity because it was a diesel and it was a nice vehicle. Yeah. So basically, we're taking the success off the Velociraptor, er, Velociraptor SUV, and we're going to be doing the same thing with the TRX T-Rex, yep. and it's going to be called the Mammoth 1000 SUV. 1000 horsepower, pretty wicked. It's going to have third row seating. It's, it's the ultimate get, SUV. Ultimate, ultimate. Yeah. It doesn't get better than this. Right. There, There's nothing else that exists. Yeah. And you can get it from here, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Yep. And I think it looks really good, too. It looks sweet. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. So we're taking sure. orders now. Give us a call. Yeah. So next month we have this really cool, but um, cool event, and it's called Amelia Island. And Amelia Island is going to be the worldwide debut of the Venom F5. And if you're going to be there, we're going to be there, and you should come say hi to us. And you should also take a look at the F5. Because if you have not seen that car in person, it's a car that speaks for itself. And pictures and words don't do it justice. It'll blow you away. Yeah. I mean, speaking from experience of being on the the side of being a part of, you know, the design and uh, the building of the car itself. um, We weren't able to see the car when it launched. And so um, being able to, to then when it, you know, see it in person because of restrictions, you know, allowed us, um, it is totally different seeing it in person and you really need to do that to get the whole picture of the car. And so, yeah, please, um, from May 20th to the 23rd in Amelia Island, if you're anywhere around the area, or I would even say, you know, if you're really into cars, this could be the, you know, potentially the singular event of the year to, go see cars like this because we don't know what's going to happen in a month, two months, three months. So yeah, I would definitely make an effort to go see the F5 and other beautiful cars at Amelia Island. And the weather in Florida that time yeah. is going to be pretty nice. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, definitely put that on the calendar and we'll look forward to that. Now I know that you had an interesting weekend last weekend. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And... um I think, yeah, it could be good just to share so, a little bit about this. Speaking so of car shows. I went to Mexico City with my wife, with John Hennessy and his wife, who are my in-laws. And we had a really cool experience hanging out with a very special customer of ours at an event called Pasteje Automotive Invitational. And if you have an Instagram, you should check them out. Uh, it's The Instagram is... Pasteje, P-A-S-T-E-J-E-A-I. Pasteje Automotive Invitational. It is basically 
a car event. It, it, this was the third annual. Uh, this was the third time they've done it, and it's a car event that you combine Goodwood, which is a hill, which is a famous hill climb event on a really cool guy's property. I have not been to Goodwood yet, but it you know I've seen Same. it of course. Yeah, that's a bucket list. Very cool, yeah, bucket list yeah. event. So you take Goodwood and you combine it with the Quail from Car Week in Monterey, and you've got Pasteje Automotive Invitational, which is so unique. And it's invite only, of course, in the name. That might change later as it continues to grow. But there were OEMs with a presence there. Maybach had a presence. Mercedes, Porsche. Uh, There may have been one or two others. There were some really amazing cars there. I have a lot of stuff that I put on my story if you saw any of that. Uh, But just go check out their Instagram. It is very, very cool. On the property, additionally to all the amazing cars... There were tigers, giraffes, antelope, rhinos, hippopotamus, chimpanzees. Uh, it's a zoo. It's a zoo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but Mexico City was actually a cool city. I hadn't been there before. But there, when you get to the property where the event is at, you almost feel like you're transported Everything is green. Everything is nice. You feel like you're in California. Mm-hmm. Like if you really close your eyes and just forgot about being in Mexico, you feel like you're at the quail, a quail type yeah. event. Very nice service, food, drink, desserts. Everything was there. Turnkey. It's a first class event that is only going to grow and get bigger and better. It was so fun. Do you have any like highlight cars? Oh, man. Do I? So there was a... There was an orange roof slant nose. Yeah. That was my Porsche 911. Yeah. 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 Uh I I forget the gen. It, I, uh I I don't know. Can I if you bring up a picture? Um I I think it's uh maybe 964 or, or maybe 993. Uh Yeah. I, I, one of those. Go, one go of check out my Instagram because yeah. I'm going to post remember the, it. Do you, do you remember the year? No, I don't. Okay. All right. Uh, but go check out my Instagram because I'm going to post it. And that slant nose was really awesome. I've really been developing a love for Porsche over the past 12 months. And that was sweet. And the slant nose are so cool. There was unbelievable cars there. Apollo IE, several Paganis, Porsche 918, Carrera GT, Gambala. All sorts of really rare stuff, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some other favorites of mine, like E30 M3s. Lots of old Porsches. P1. Yeah. It's a sweet show. SF90. Koenigsegg. uh, Regera. Okay. Yeah. So, that was a blast. Check out their Instagram for more pictures and more idea of what that show looked like. But uh, moving on, we have a lot of really interesting cars that are being announced, released, Getting going, have new updates that we want to go through. And one of the first ones is one of my favorite cars out there because of the nature of the beast that it is. Uh It's a rear drive V12 Ferrari. Yeah. And the new version that they're releasing is the 812 Competizione. Yeah, well, that's what we think the name is. Some, there was, this was actually funny. There was um, some internet sluice that the, the name hasn't officially been released. But on some interior pictures, someone in Photoshop just upped the levels 
and um, revealed what looks like the name on oh, the nice. dash. Nice. Yeah, so most likely the Competizione, but whatever. The the special edition 812. Um, and Who doesn't love a V12? Yeah, I just I just feel like in the year 2021, this car just needs to be celebrated. Absolutely. I literally have nothing negative to say. I've 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 heard reviews of this car or just initial reviews um from a design standpoint um which is really interesting. Some people were not thrilled with the design, but that's actually the first thing that stood out to me as being so right about this car because I've I've kind of felt like the 812 never really did it for me design-wise. But everything on this car just seems a little just finessed. And um, I love the what they did on the rear. Um, even the body side looks, a, a, you know, different. Just the whole the whole car is, is so exciting, and I cannot wait to see it in person. And it's a V12. Did, yeah, we, that, did we mention that yeah, yet? Yeah, that revs to 9,500 oh RPM. Oh, my gosh. In a, so in a world howl. of all these other non-combustion cars. Yeah. I, it's time to celebrate a V12 for sure, and you know that they've sold every single one of them. I think I think it's a million dollar plus car too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So big stuff. So this up is, because yeah, let's talk is, about is it. Is it TDF level? Yeah. F12 TDF. Uh, so this is like the next gen of that. Right. Yeah. So so um, just to give you some backstory on on this spe- you know particular kind of model range within Ferrari. Yeah. So you had. Um, the F12 TDF was their last special edition V12. And then before that, you had the 599 GTO, um, which is a really cool car, too. Um, and the last manual that no. they did, the Aperta was. Yeah. The 599. Yeah. Oh. But what was higher, the GTO or the Aperta? I, I, interesting. Um, the Aperta was. A, a, I, I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it was like 90 to 95% of a GTO. So you got like an open top GTO. Oh, How cool. cool is that? That's cool. Um, so anyway, so this is like the big boy V12 front engine classic Ferrari GT setup. Um, and they're actually doing, uh, I saw some leaked images of the um, convertible like Roadster version of the car too, which is equally as cool and how could you not go for that one because then you get like you get the noise you get the wind you get everything it just turned up to 11 does the dna of the 812 lineup go back to the 250 gto uh yeah i guess you could say that because you you basically go from the well the 250 series um and then skip a, a, a few years you get to the daytona um and i'm trying to think it was around that time when they they shifted to to mid-engine architecture you get you still get the gtc um after the daytona uh gtc4 but um it really wasn't until the uh luca de montezemolo came in back it, it came you know in command and brought back the 550 marinello which brought oh, ferrari back car. to like the gentleman's ferrari front engine just a beautiful looking, amazing sounding car. And then you get the 575. Um, With manuals. Those had gated manuals. Yeah. So, so that, cool. yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, you could still get a manual with that. One of one of the quirkiest slash coolest versions of that car to me 
was the 575 Super America. Do you remember that? I do. Where it had like the, the funky roof, how it just like yeah. folded back. Uh-huh. I love how weird that is. But can you imagine like, I just heard stories of guys who would leave it down and it leaves in, in water, like we'll collect in there. Hilarious. And then, just and then it dumps, dumps into the cabin. Yeah. And then good luck replacing that glass if it ever breaks. Um, but yeah, then the 599, which truly was the last um, front engine V12 Ferrari that you could order with a manual RIP. That isn't that the last manual Ferrari ever. Uh, either that or the California. Funny oh, you enough, can there were there, the there were six of them. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Eh, you know. I mean, be, I, at this point, I'd still. I take would take it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we're very excited about this this eight twelve um, competizione, if that's what it's called. And uh, man, what uh, an amazing, amazing car this is going to be, no doubt. Speaking of engines that are naturally aspirated and revved to 9,000 plus, the 992, which is the brand new generation Porsche 911, has just released their new GT3 version, which is their track version that's naturally aspirated, flat six cylinder, mm-hmm. and it still comes in a manual. So that's yeah, it's awesome. Amazing. Yep. Manual or PDK. PDK is an amazing automatic transmission. It has 500 horsepower. I think it's advertises like 502, yeah, so that it's more than last gen. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some pretty amazing reviews. We Same. have uh, a very close friend named Michael Harley who got to drive one recently, and he had a raving review about it. Nice. And I am very into the idea of driving it with a manual. To me, as you know, Nathan, and everybody, anybody who knows me, I am very into the horse purrs, the horse powers. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I like a lot of power. And unless I was serious about road coursing, which I'm not thus far in my life, although I'd like to be, I don't think the GT3 would really scratch my itch. Because I've driven a 991.2 GT3 mm-hmm. RS with yep. the PDK, and it was amazing. Amazing experience. The sound was so sick. I'll be honest. It was unreal. Sounds yeah. like a race car. Yeah. Because it pretty much is. Pretty much. But, and we talked about the, this morning, but imagine I'm in my brand new $250,000 GT3. And again, I'm not on the road course all the time. And I'm rolling down and like a supercharged Coyote Mustang pulls up next to me and he walks me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know. I'd be sad. I don't know if I could take that. Yeah. Which it's just me, but uh, that yeah. doesn't bother you at all. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. Um, but I, I, I get that, and I mean, I think that's cool. I, I think that's totally fine. And in fact, I would love to see what you would do with. I feel like the perfect Porsche for you would be like a GT2 RS with a manual yes just and with tons and tons of boost um <laughs> all of it yeah like a thousand horsepower gt2 rs yeah manual yeah you're talking my language yeah but you know i've got a really good friend of mine in um in uh like right outside of of la lives right right by um angelo's crest and uh he he literally drives that <laughs> three or four times a week hard really really hard and so i know for him 
um, this is this is a car. He's he's got a 911T right now in, in a manual setup, but with with 500 ish horsepower, um, the kind of suspension that the the new GT3 has, th- that's really all you need on on those back roads like Angelo's Crest, and in fact, any more, and it it, it almost is too much. You know what I mean? Cause, cause like you've been, you've driven those roads and they're pretty tight. So sweet. And it's like a race course in the mountain. It's un, it's unbelievable. It's so good. I love how people outside of the U S say that we don't have, all we have is like straight roads here, which right. I mean, if you live in Houston, yeah. Yeah. Fair I, enough. I'm a, I'm a highway guy because of where I live. Yeah. There but, are some cool roads on the outskirts of Houston and yeah. you have to be committed to drive to them and get to them mm-hmm. and they're worth it. If I lived in California or lived near some of those areas with really amazing roads, I might have a completely different opinion, honestly. Because in a way, if you're driving those roads and that's your weekend drive per se, or mm-hmm. your, you know, your early morning Wednesday car club drive, yeah, you could argue that that's your quasi race course, road course time. And why do you need a thousand horsepower? Yeah, you don't. But in Houston, the the capital of fast cars and horsepower and uh-huh. other illicit activities, yeah. if you're rolling down I-10 and somebody's trying to mess with you, they might have a lot of horsepower. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you're you're getting beat by just the run-of-the-mill charger. Yeah. You might get beat by a truck in Houston. You probably would with 500 horsepower. There's crazy would. trucks and SUVs <laughs> yeah. here. And I only yeah. go the speed limit. I don't go above it. But of when I see people go above the speed limit, it's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> when you witness that? Yes. Yeah. When I witness that too, it's, it's, uh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so, well, anyway, I'm, the, I, I tell you what, I'm, again, um, We'll we'll be critical of a product, you know, if it warrants it. But I have to say that the 992 uh, version of the 911, I I can only respect it and just applaud it again in 2020 that we have a naturally aspirated um, motorsport derived engine, a motorsport derived front and rear suspension now. So the front is is significantly re- revised with this version of the GT3. And then look at that wing, dude. It's like the whole swan neck deal. Yeah. It's straight off of Le Mans. So I, Which I, is so focused on aero. Yeah. It's so cool. So um yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this car too. I mean, man. They're keeping the dream alive over there. They are, and Porsche gets um they get criticized for not changing enough from generation to generation but i i really do have to respect how they just continually make their product better and better and better incrementally and um really the 911 brand is such a bedrock for them it's just awesome to see them just continually make it make it better and not deviate um from one generation to the next so much right they don't have to. Is the next generation 911 going to be EV? No, thankfully. And, you know, their their current um, boss, I don't know if it's this, I, I forget who exactly said this, but um, the 911 will remain an internal combustion car for as long as it can be. I hope so. So now if there's some sort of hybridization or whatever, I mean, that's fine. 
Um, but no, in terms of an EV, they might make another EV sports car. But right now, I'd argue that it the the weight of batteries kind of that's almost an oxymoron at this point. You know, <laughs> not yeah. really. Yeah, it's just too heavy. Yeah, uh, not that the nine eleven's getting wider. Right. Anyway, it's just getting wider. Yeah, it's getting wider. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of really wide cars, the AMG Project One. Yeah. Is making advancements. Yeah, it's good to see it. Yeah, there were some some um, shots of it on public roads for the first time. Awesome. Yeah. So I, when did that car? Well, come, I was just looking at. Was it AM, 2017 or 2018? Uh, and there, there's videos and content from 2018 about Project One testing on public roads. But you know, it's a complex car with an F1 powertrain. So yeah, of course they're they're doing all their due diligence to make sure it's good. Uh, but now they've taken more steps further on public road testing and some of the pictures and stuff look really cool. Yeah. Now, what, but, oh, okay. what's, what's your hot take on the powertrain? Not a fan, just yeah. just to be totally honest. I, but So we talked about this a little bit before. I want to continue this conversation. Uh, y- well, what's your take on it? Not a huge fan I love the idea of F1 derived powertrain. Yeah. That but, though that sentence sounds so cool. Oh yeah, for sure. But then when you remember that F1 It's a 1.6 liter. Yeah, it's a 1.6 or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Six cylinder with a turbo. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of fast six cylinder vehicles that are turbocharged with uh-huh. lots of boost. Nissan GTR. Make all the power. It's not about the power to me on True. this car, even though I'm very power oriented. To me, it's like, well, what if it had a V12 or V10 or it, V8? Yeah. AMG is so known for their twin turbo, their bi-turbo turbo stuff, mm-hmm. V12 or V8. Yeah. I mean, I go back to CLK GTR and how Oof. awesome and epic that thing was. V12, NA, could get it in a manual, could get the roof to come off. And there's so many technological advances with the Project 1 that are unbelievable but again to me i'm just like honestly it's is it how are they gonna get that to sound amazing uh i I don't know if it's possible i mean they've been trying for years with f1 because people just were so disappointed by the sound of the f1 cars when they switched to this engine from the v8s understandably so um, you know, if you if you go to an F1 race now, um, you can actually hear this the screeching of the tires as they go into corners over and, the engines. And you don't which really even need crazy. to wear earplugs anymore. I didn't. Yeah, that's no, I didn't. It that's didn't crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, do I respect the car? Of course, I of respect course. the car. Do respect I respect it? The, I think it looks great. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So I I actually see a lot of the CLK kind of like heritage in this car i don't know if, if really? the designers if they intended for that but it's got some of that to me some of that feel and i do have to say that in a world of at least design where um there, there seems to be a lot of um kind of i don't know there, there's just a lot going on with cars in terms of lines and all this kind of stuff it's nice to see a car that has very few lines and is uh yeah i mean so you're you're holding up a picture right now of the clk 
GTR, which essentially, for people who don't know, that car was um, Mercedes entrant into uh, Le Mans. What you, you know, a certain was it LMP one at the time? I don't know. Um, but then, what you had to do to race there, you had to sell a certain number of road cars, and so we got this golden era of Le Mans slash road cars out of this, and, so and one of them was CLK GTR. What an error. So look up that car if you don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, I kind of see that in this. And I, I, I like I, it a lot. Proportionally, it it's so similar. It's very long, wide, low. Has a really cool roof scoop. I mean, really, this is an evolution of the CLK GTR. And I definitely understand the idea of wanting to do an F1 powertrain. But you know, it's again, just a bummer just, that this is the powertrain. Right? Yeah. yeah. Imagine if they did this same idea when the V8s were oh, still here. Oh man! Holy it, smokes! Yeah, it would. Oh, it, if you have no reference, I think 2012 was the last year of V8s. Correct. And I was fortunate enough to go to the inaugural Grand Prix of Circuit of the Americas, and the V8s. I didn't. I I was uh I was maybe 18 years old. I, I don't really remember, but. I did not know that cars, engines, etc., could be that loud. I just didn't know. And I uh, I had a cousin that was working for Barclays at the time who is very big into F1, and she was event planning, and she got me tickets to trackside turn 20 or whatever hospitality right before the, back stri- or the, the front straight uh, across the finish line. It was the best seats in the house. And I go in there thinking... I don't need earplugs. Like, why? Like, it's race cars. I want to hear them. Yeah. If you did not wear earplugs, you would your ears would bleed, which is awesome. That's not a bad thing. That yeah. is so cool. Uh huh. And man, a Project One with a V8 F1 yeah. would be sweet. Yeah. Uh, not to discount them. I know that they've been working really hard to oh, make yeah. it work and make yeah. it awesome and make it road legal. Yeah. For but, sure. You know, yeah. Is it going to sound great? Who knows? Well, it's not going to sound like the Valkyrie. Yeah, that's true. Because that, that's your alternative, right? I mean, pretty the, much, the Aston yeah. Martin Valkyrie, that, so that's got a V12 that revs to, what, like 12,000 RPM? I don't know. So cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could, I, I'm sure that the buyers are somewhat similar, but um, yeah, we're kind of waiting for that car too. So anyway, it's encouraging to see this on the road. And um, the last car that we have an update on is actually a Lotus. And uh, this news came out this week um, about the last internal combustion engine that they're ever, a powered car that they're ever going to make called the Amira. Crazy. Yeah. And so it's going to have a version of, the engine that's in the Evora right now, which is a V6. And then it's going to have a to-be-determined V4. Um, but basically, this is it for... This is what they're saying. This is it for um, their cars that use uh, internal combustion and some sort of fuel to power that engine. They're going to move to electric battery fuel after this. So. Have you seen, has anybody seen the new photos of the Avaya, which is the electric, yeah. the with the black, yeah. the whole black car uh-huh. with the one on the hood? Yeah. 
I think it looks great. I do too. But is it just is it me or did the proportions change? D- dude, I kind of I kind of thought the same thing. If you show me the picture you're, if you're, you're looking sitting at. at home, pull up the Lotus Avaya. I swear the proportions changed from when the car first debuted. I'm just confused. I mean, this is the Let picture I'm looking at. Just yes. Google search Lotus Avaya so you know what we're talking about. And the car debuted in silver, and now they're showing more of a production model in black, matte black with a one on the hood. And I, I would it, say for it, the better. Yeah, I think it looks great. I'm yeah. not saying it's bad at all, but it changed. I'm, I swear it changed. Well, it may not have, and what could be is... Um kind of a visual trick with with it being all black and the wheels are oh, yeah. black and mm-hmm. you know that that could have kind of helped stuff out well the more that i look at it i don't think that it has i just i think that it's current color scheme that it, well whatever they're testing it in here um suits the car is, is more flattering to the car i frankly think it's a beautiful car yeah um i love the wing design that they did let's see yeah yeah, I bet I'm. I'm sure it's all very active aero, but yeah, it's a cool looking car. Yeah, it's a cool looking car. So, yep. I honestly really like the track that Lotus is on right now. It's it's been a big brand refresh for them, uh, launching with the Avaya, because in reality, previous to the Avaya, what had Lotus been up to the last twenty years? They've just been making very small, compact sports cars, right? I mean, yeah, the, the, the Elise, the Xyz, the Evora. The Espirit, I think is how you say it, was the Esprit. last one. Esprit, sorry. Was the last one that uh, was larger than a compact sports car. Yeah. that was, Yeah. You know, but it wasn't like supercar, hypercar at all. No. And then they just mic dropped with the Avaya. Mm-hmm. Really cool EV, very futuristic, beautiful design, everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool where they're headed. I mean... With their the announcement of the Amira, the last combustion engine, I, I don't know. I hope I hope they keep doing combustion engine, but it, it's just cool to see kind of where they're going. Yeah, I think the only thing that people are a bit um, there's there's an unanswered question or just a bit confused about is Lotus has always been the king of handling, and um, you know we we talked about. Uh, Angela's crest in amazing driving roads. It's always been known that kind of the Lotus was the car to have on a road like that. Okay. And, and then two, you know, Sir Colin Chapman who founded Lotus, uh, the start of the Lotus F1 team. Um, his whole ethos was like, just add lightness, which is like the antithesis to EV cars, which is just add weight. Right. So, I'm interested to see. Now, they're claiming that this is going to have their legendary Lotus kind of like handling and and dynamicism. So, we'll see. I mean, maybe they've cracked the code on battery weight and steer, you know, feeling. And I'm I'm open to it. Yeah, me too. I mean, sure. If it does 1.5, 0 to 60, I'm definitely in. Yeah, but then so does a plaid Tesla. (laughs) So, right. Hopefully, the Amira comes with a manual. It will. For, it's got to. I yeah. mean, I, I don't actually don't know if that was confirmed, but if it doesn't, I, I think that's... I'd be upset, honestly. Yeah, that kind of defeats the point. 
So yeah, let's hope that it does. And let's hope that it looks similar to the Avaya because we like how that looks. Yeah, yeah. I think they're on a good design track. Mm -hmm. So going back to F1 for a little bit, I recently, for whatever reason, I've been a car guy my entire life. And I've always thought Formula One was cool. I just never got super into it. I'm a big sports guy. I'm into other sports, play sports, love driving, karting, as much car stuff as I can get. But for whatever reason, I never just got diehard into Formula One. But then I ended up watching, and I had known about the show for forever, but Drive to Survive, I finally broke down and watched an episode, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, what have I been missing all these years? You finally this is broke down and got yourself a big a screen Plasma TV. screen TV. <laughs> That's an office quote for those who don't know. And I watched an episode, and I fell in love. And I am so invested in Formula One now, and I'm so excited about it, and I'm tracking everything, and I'm excited to watch races and watching the show, and I'm researching all the drivers and teams and everything and it's been really fun to talk with nathan about it because you've been an f1 fan for a long time and you're much more in tune with all that but yeah I, 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 well not a long time i mean probably some of you listening have been an f1 fan for a long time so you know that's forgive us for saying we've been f fans f1 yeah fans for a long time I'm a but baby I, started, F1 fan. I started watching the last year of the v8 so 2012 okay and it was kind of like you where I, I thought yeah i mean this is cool but um, never really was into NASCAR or, or really any motorsport at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so not big in NASCAR. I, but you know it, where it started was I got to the art center and a really good friend of mine was massively into Formula One and the movie Rush had oh, just come out. Cool and movie. so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna just give this a, I'm just gonna try following it for a season. And it ended up absolutely loving it, even though that was the last year of Vettel's just. Dominance. ridiculous dominance but i mean i'm talking like winning by over a minute okay oh my god i mean talk about boring <laughs> yeah. you know but at least they sounded good and then since then i i was just i was hooked basically but yeah then i think with you and a lot of people i think can relate to this but drive to survive just opened it up even further in terms of like you get the um, kind of human per perspective Definitely. of the whole thing. Definitely. Because you kind of, it kind of becomes a bit sterile where they show up, they drive, they practice, they qualify, they race. And, you know, there's PR stuff and it's all like very, you know, ordered and right. manufactured. And it gets a little stale. But what Drive to Survive did is give that human side of it that we yeah. all love. Yes. It's such a good show. They give you the behind the scenes and mm -hmm. the emotion and the concerns and worries and the team drama. Man, there's some really cool personalities in that world. Who's been one of your um like one of your favorite drivers that you've that you've watched? I really like Daniel Ricardo. I know he's had some team drama um with switching and everything. I think one of my favorite personalities, two of them are Toto, the Mercedes principal and CEO. He is such a beast of a guy who's just like so determined and focused and deep German voice. And I, one of my favorite moments with him, if you guys have seen the show, season three, they everyone's complaining about the pink Mercedes that Racing Point has. So Racing Point had a car that looked like the 2019 Mercedes in 2020. Everyone's protesting it. 
and they didn't do anything wrong. And Toto's just like, well, it seems like they did a good job. And all the other people didn't. And we're not going to complain about that. They just did a good job. Yeah. So that's, it was just a testament of like, man, this guy is the real deal. He's, he's perfection or nothing. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And then I really like, I think his name is Christian Horner, the Red Bull principal. Mm -hmm. He's a really cool guy. And they they feature him a lot in the show. Mm -hmm. They must like him. Um, But man, it's gotten me so fired up about F1. Yeah. Well, and you really get an insight into why it is the pinnacle of motorsport racing and just the mystique around it. And um, you really can understand why it's, it, it just draws you in. You know, you think about incredible races like Monaco where everyone brings their yachts and it's F1 really is kind of larger than life. And, um, they're going into a pretty big regulation change for next year. Um, and so we're all hoping that, you know, right, right steps are taken because they've admitted that, um, the governing bosses of F1, they admitted that going this hybrid route was a mistake. It was not, you know, the the route that they should have taken. Um, which is, I mean, it's nice to finally you know, like to to kind of see that admission. Um, mainly because of of sound and and fan and spectator engagement. And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see wh- where it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, Mercedes dominance has really been historic and crazy yeah one of my daniel ricardo is one of my favorites i really like him um lewis hamilton too i'm a big mclaren fan in general so when he was at mclaren is when i kind of liked him and jensen button button together so yeah yeah it's a lot of fun well that wraps up this episode thanks everybody for listening if you have any questions email podcast questions at hennessyperformance.com we'd love to answer some questions thanks for listening hit that subscribe button we'll see you guys next time see you guys